0: I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations and welcome to another fabulous day in the Lord's neighborhood, And welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. I'm Paige, your Caffeine Imbued host, and here's my coffee. And as it says up there on the screen, and lo, the coffee was very good. All right, today we're looking at Numbers chapter 15. Now, set the scene. The previous chapter, the people had rebelled mightily against the Lord. The spies had gone into the land, promised land, come back. Caleb and Joshua said, the land is flowing with milk and honey. We can do this. The other 10 rebelled against the thought. They were frightened, and they told everybody that they could, that there's giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers in the sight. It's too scary. They're too big. They're too mighty. There's no way we can do this. And they started talking amongst the folks, and the folks even started mentioning things like, you know, let's elect a new leader and go back to Egypt. Mm. God's anger was provoked. He immediately killed the 10 ringleaders, the 10 spies who spoke against going into the promised land. And then he told Moses, now I don't know if his conversation with Moses was in the presence of the people of Israel or not. For imagination's sake, I'm going to pretend it is. Because he tells Moses, you know, I can, I can make a better nation than this from you saying, basically, he says, I'm going to kill off all of Israel, and we'll start over with you. And uh, Moses intervened and asked God to forgive Israel. He says, you know what? All right, I'll forgive Israel. But this generation will die in the desert. They will not go into the promised land. So what does Israel do? They immediately go, we're sorry. We sinned. Our bad." Let's get an army and let's go beat those Canaanites. And they go into the promised land and get promptly, promptly thrashed. God did not go with them. In fact, God said, I'm going to fight against you. So now they're back. They've been beaten badly by the Canaanites. They're back in camp. And God starts giving instructions to Moses. to give to the next generation. Now, in my mind's eye again, now, I don't know if this is actually the way it happened, but hey, this is my devotional time. I get to imagine it the way I want to, right? I'm imagining that this conversation is being had in front of this generation that has defied God and been told that they're going to die in the desert. So this instruction that God is giving Moses is for the next generation, to these people's children. It would be like, if I was there, it'd be like, uh, page you are going to die in the desert you're not going into the promised land now move aside while i give instructions to your son about what happens next that's kind of what I, that's that's where my imagination goes and um so let's let's go to that and just read this chapter and chat a bit the lord said to moses speak to the israelites and say to them after you enter the land i'm giving you as a home and you present to the Lord, and you present to the Lord food offerings from the herd or flock, as an aroma pleasing to the Lord, whether burnt offerings or sacrifices for special vows or free will offerings or festival offerings. Then the person who brings an offering shall present to the Lord a grain offering of a tenth of an ephah of the finest flour, mixed with a quarter of a hin of olive oil. With each lamb for the burnt offering or the sacrifice, prepare a quarter of a hin of wine as a drink offering. With the ram, prepare a grain offering of two-tenths of an ephah. All right, and he goes on down, and he describes the sacrifices that they're going to be presenting in the promised land. All right. Then he says, Everyone who is native-born must do these things in this way when they present a food offering as an aroma pleasing to the Lord for the generations to come, whether a, whenever a foreigner or anyone else among you living among you presents a food offering as an aroma pleasing to the Lord, they must do exactly as you do. The community is to have the same rules for you and for the foreigner residing among you. This is a lasting ordinance of the generations to come. You and the foreigner shall be the same before the Lord. That's really important. There was room in Israel for Gentiles to worship Jehovah. The foreigner had the same regulations as the native-born Israelites. The commonwealth of Israel would always be open to proselytes, converts. Indeed, God's promise to Abraham embraces all the peoples on earth. There's room for everybody at God's table. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land to which I'm taking you... Oh, again, imagine this being spoken to the children of the people who have been told they are going to die in the desert. When you enter the land to which I'm taking you, and you eat the food of the land, present a portion as an offering to the Lord... Present a loaf from the first of your ground meal and present it as an offering from the threshing floor. Throughout the generations to come, you are to give this offering to the Lord from the first of your ground meal. See, the, this law also looks forward to the time when the Israelites would be in the land. The first of the threshed grain was to be made into a loaf and presented to the Lord. This concept of first fruits is a symbol that all blessing is from the Lord and all Produce belongs to him. Now he's going to talk about unintentional sin, just like we read before uh, in Leviticus. Now, if you as a community unintentionally fa- fail to keep any of these commands the Lord gave Moses, any of the Lord's commands to you through him, from the day the Lord gave them and continuing through the generations to come, and if this is done unintentionally, without the community being aware of it, then the whole community is to offer a young bull for a burnt offering as an aroma pleasing to the Lord along with this prescribed grain offering and drink offering and a male goat for a sin offering, the priest is to make atonement for the whole Israelite community, and they will be forgiven for it was not intentional, and they have presented to the Lord for their wrong a food offering and a sin offering. The whole Israelite community and the foreigners residing among them will be forgiven because all the people were involved in an unintentional wrong, all right but if just one person sins unintentionally, that person must bring a year-old female and present an offering as well. The priest is to make atonement before the Lord for the one who erred by sinning unintentionally. And what atonement has been made, that person will be forgiven. So th- that's in opposition to what happens next. Look at verse uh, 30. But anyone who sins defiantly or In Hebrew, with a high hand, whether a native born or foreigner blasphemes the Lord. All right, this isn't someone who does something accidentally or they commit a sin not knowing it was a sin. And then when they're informed of a sin, they change, but they do the offering so they can be atoned for. No, this is someone who sins defiantly, like this previous generation. They defiant land with a high hand rebelled against God and Moses. And when God said, pronounce his judgment, they're going to die, and that they're not going to enter the promised land, and they, it's, they still, with a high hand, defied God and marched in to defeat the Canaanites and got totally beaten. This was sinning with a high hand. Death is what's coming to them. Anyone who sins defiantly, whether native-born or foreigner, blasphemes the Lord and must be cut off from the people of Israel. Oh, dude, that kind of means being killed. Because they have despised the Lord's word and broken his commands, they must surely be cut off. Their guilt remains on them. The Hebrew with a high hand. Unlike unintentional sins for which there are provisions of God's mercy, those who set themselves to defiantly despise God's word and blaspheme him must be punished. This is... Was the experience of the nation, chapter 14. All right, it's this, it's like this. We have a sin nature. Let's let me bring it up to the 22nd century here, 21st century. We have a sin nature. The sin nature is such that we're going to sin. We can't help it. That's who we are. We discussed that previously in Leviticus. The fact that we sin unintentionally. Automatically, without thinking about it, proves that sin nature is very much who we are. are, It defines us in so many ways. But there is a sin that becomes defiant and shakes its fist in God's face. This isn't a sin that somebody does accidentally, unintentionally. This is a sin where they shake, Their fist in God's face and act totally, completely as an enemy of God. That's what Israel, that generation of Israel, did. They sinned with a high hand, they opposed God's will, knowing what God's will was. For whatever reason they chose, they disobeyed and opposed it. While the Israelites were in the wilderness, a man was found gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Now, those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly, and they kept him in custody because it was not clear what should be done. Then the Lord said to Moses, "The man must die. The whole must the whole assembly must stone him outside the camp." So the assembly took him outside the camp and stoned him to death as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, this seems kind of harsh, doesn't it? God was gathering wood. All right. In the New Testament. Jesus chewed out the Pharisees because uh, they said there were, you couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. And Jesus' response was, which one of you, if your donkey falls into a ditch on the Sabbath, won't pull him out of the ditch? You're going to save your donkey. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, etc., etc., etc. This man that was gathering wood he you wouldn't need wood to make it through a day he evidently he had no wood on the Sabbath, okay, guess what? You go a day without fire um you uh you you're supposed to cook your food the day before anyway there'd be no need to cook food. there'd be no need to heat things up there was no reason for you to to go get wood on the Sabbath. And yet he did. That puts him, that's not something unintentional. God had made that very clear. And this again is someone who is deliberately setting forth and defying God's way of doing things. Ah. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lusts of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commands and be consecrated to your God. I, I now remember. He's, this is in my mind's eye. I'm seeing this, speaking to all of Israel which includes the generation which has just been denied entrance to the promised land. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Think of the shame and the embarrassment of that generation. This was a generation that had seen God deliver them from Pharaoh part the Red Sea, destroy Pharaoh's army, destroy all the gods of Egypt when all the magicians and the Pharaoh himself challenged Moses. The same generation that saw all of that had to listen to the following generation, get their instructions about how things are going to be in the promised land. And God had to remind them I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. (sighs) I almost have no words. I, putting myself in the place of those Israelites that are going to die in the desert, who are never going to see the promises that they could have seen. I should say the fulfillment of the promises that they could have seen. And out of all the spies that went, out of all of Israel, that entire generation, with the exception of Caleb and Joshua, are going to die in the desert. Now, I don't know if they knew that that was going to take 40 years? I don't know. But they turned around and started marching back into the desert for 40 years. This is a heavy-duty little chapter here. Um, the emphasis on unintentional sin and willful, willful sin. The harsh sense of uh, shame that must have been Felt by that generation? Mm. It's hard. You know, when God promises you something, there's an inferred obedience that he's expecting. When he reveals something to you, it's inferred that you're going to believe it. And that you will act upon it you don't get to choose your actions and expect God to bless them now there's a uh, a Bible study years ago that I did and um, in that Bible study the pastor makes the um, makes a statement, don't do something and ask God to bless it." Find out what God is doing and blessing, and then join yourself to it. He was a pastor of a church that had a lot of uh, medical people. So they went they sent out teams, medical teams throughout Canada to go into the remote villages and provide medical care where it was scarce. He went to pastor another church and had a bunch of construction people, carpenters, home builders, etc, architects, and He said, how stupid it would be for me to send out medical missionaries. We sent out teams of builders that went into these remote places to build and to repair. He says, you look at what God has surrounded you with. You look at what God is doing and align yourself with it. I believe it was Abraham Lincoln that said something to the effect of, I'm not so concerned about whether God is on my side. I'm actually more concerned about if I am on God's side. And what we see happen, what we saw happen in this chapter is this defiant, high-handed generation that defied God, defied Moses, defied Aaron, that turned on God every chance they had. And God continues to forgive and to forgive and forgive. And God finally says, you know what? You're not going into the promised land. You're going to die here in the desert. And then with a high hand, they said with very religious language. In fact, let me go back up chapter 14 and look at the language they said. Um, When Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. All right. Early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country saying, now we are ready to go up to the land the Lord promised. Surely we have sinned. We've asked him to forgive us. He's forgiven us. Now we're ready to go. And they march up to go do battle. Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? Inferred, again, this will not succeed. Don't go up because the Lord's not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies for the Amalekites and Canaanites will face you there. Mm, Because you have turned away from the Lord. He will not be with you and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up towards the highest point in the hill country. Though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moved from the camp, the Amalekites and Canaanites who lived in that country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. They wanted, they did what they wanted to do even then. And it was couched in religious language. It was couched in religious motivation. We've sinned. We're sorry. Let's go take the land. And Moses is going, you didn't listen. That is no longer an option for you. Once again, you are being disobedient. God's not going to go with you. We need to have discernment. We need to be able to see what it is that God is blessing and what God is doing and align ourselves with it. Not to spin our wheels. Making up something that we would like to do, and have God bless it. I wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to be a uh, worship pastor. <laughs> That's what I wanted. It would have been pleasurable for me. I like to talk. I have the spiritual gift of teaching, administration, and prophecy. Um, I'm a I'm a talented musician. It would have been a perfect fit for me. That was my plan, but God said no. For me to have continued to push into that territory would have been sin and rebellion against God. And destruction would have been my reward. I wanted to do that. God said no. I will say this in my favor as opposed to the Israelites. <laughs> I turned around and didn't go into that promised land I obeyed God to the best of my ability, not perfectly but to the best of my ability and I would not push into that arena of activity because God said no God told this generation no to the promised land and yet they used religious language religious motivation and they decided you know what, we've, we, we've repented we've forgiven, let's go And they got their backsides handed to them on a platter. Hmm. Lots of things to think about here. (sighs) Well, that's about all I got. I think I'm done thinking with my mouth open for the time being. Uh, Have a wonderful, fabulous day. And um, I really, 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 truly hope that you can find God's will for your life. And pursue that. Have a great day. Bye bye. God's thoughts are not our thoughts, neither should my thoughts be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself.